Welcome to the What's In My Head podcast. I'm your host, Julian, and thanks for checking out the audio format of our show. If you want to watch these episodes, check us out on YouTube. Just type in youtube.com slash what's in my head podcast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as I bring you a piece of your childhood each and every week. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button here as well as on YouTube. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms. That's where I'll ask you, the fans, to drop a question or two for our upcoming guests. You can find us on social media by searching at In My Head Pod. If you're digging the content, leave us a rating and review as that helps us and other fans of pop culture find us. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, before you get to this episode, you're only going to hear about 30 minutes of this. During the conversion process of this, we lost quite a bit of the audio and video, so we're only going to be audio format uh, just for this week. We're still working on it, trying to get back what we lost. Uh, However, with me being technologically impaired, uh, it's not going the greatest right now. So hopefully down the road we'll have the rest of this interview. There's still about an hour of it left. So uh, enjoy the 30 minutes that I could get back. Thanks, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What's In My Head podcast. Today I'm joined by Floyd Norman, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Floyd Norman. Floyd, how are you, sir? Hey, I am just fine. Happy to be here. Oh, man, I'm happy you're here, too. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, you should pause this for just a second, and you should go and take a look at this man's resume. I mean, I'm just going to read off a few, and there's no way in hell we could read off all of them because we'd spend (laughs) almost the entire show just reading off your your resume. But Sleeping Beauty, Sword in the Stone, Jungle Book, Robin Hood, Mulan, Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc., now, I wanted to ask before we hit start, because uh, Hanna-Barbera was, uh, was a little iffy, yeah. and IMDb's not always up to date, but did you work yeah. on Jabberjaw? I think I did, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm sure I did. I, I, I was an animator on, on yeah. Jabberjaw. Yeah, yeah, I did a lot of different jobs at Hanna-Barbera. I was an animator, I was a layout artist, I was a storyboard artist, and then I, I, I was a writer. So I, I tried to, <laughs> to try every job at Hanna-Barbera. Just, just to uh, you know, have a good time. You're a renaissance man, if I've ever seen one, Floyd. So uh, I get bored easily, so I have to switch. <laughs> I have to switch jobs. <laughs> hey, man, there's nothing wrong with that. I got to have a whole bunch of irons in the fire just so I can stay yeah. and stay focused. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, it's it's a good thing. Yeah, it keeps you on your toes, right? It keeps that mind sharp. Uh, but I, I buried the lead there just a little bit because I told you how fond I was before we hit record of the Jungle Book. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll get to how you got to Walt Disney World, but I've never in my wildest dreams thought I'd be able to talk to anybody that worked on that movie. Like I said, that movie had such a special place in my heart. Baloo is my favorite Disney character of uh, all time. He <laughs> is. Yeah, he is my guy. And then Captain Hook from Peter Pan is my favorite villain of all time. Oh, yes. Look, I, I, I think it was because of how he dressed. So <laughs> his voice was Hans Conried. Yes. Uh, Hans Hans Conried was a was an amazing radio actor. He did he did movies too, but boy, what a voice he had! That marvelous voice. I think Hans must have come from the stage, because a lot of the uh, actors who, who came came from stage they had incredible voices. You know, I think it was that stage training. But we had a lot of great voice people at Disney, uh, especially in the early days, because a lot of them came from radio. And if you are a radio actor, you've got to know how to use your voice because you're not seen. They don't see your face. So the only thing you have to perform with is your voice. And that's 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 your tool. That's what you got to use. And that's why so many of our actors in Disney films, uh, especially in, in the animated films, were guys and gals who came from radio. They had great voices. Yeah, it's it's it, it's. 
with the amount of voice actors that I've had on here and yeah. I had a guy on his name was Charlie Adler. I don't know if you know who he is. Oh yeah. You bet. You so, bet. so Charlie, he, I was talking to him and he's like, let me tell you something. I hate the term voice actor. And I was like, really? Why? And he was like, because we're actors. And yeah. I, like, right. I, I, get, I get that. And then he, he went into detail. He was like, you know, when he was like, people don't understand. He's like, it, everybody thinks that they can just do it. Oh, it's funny voices. Oh, it's just this dialect. Oh, it's just this accent. Anybody can do that. He could do no. that. He was like, you get in there and you see me in cow and chicken. He was like, I've expended every ounce of energy I've ever had in my body because I'm doing 14 different characters. I'm yeah. drenched in sweat. My face is red. My voice is gone. And I have to get up the next day and do it all over again. That's so right. like it's acting. It's not voice acting. It's acting. And I was like, I've never really thought about it that way. But now that you're saying that, I was like, I get it, man. But we're here for Floyd. We're not so much here for Charlie, even though Charlie was a fantastic guest. Okay. Um, Speaking of Charlie, uh, I want I want to tell you that I worked on Cow and Chicken. Oh yeah, and, and the, the the other funny part of that of Cow and Chicken was that that show was created by a young man uh, by the name of Dave Dave Fees. Yes. and I knew Dave when he was still in high school. <laughs> Damn. And he would come around the studio, still a high school student, and he said, "You know, I want to get in the you know animation one day. I want to be a cartoon maker. I want to do this job." And I said, "Yeah, it's cool, Dave. You know." Uh, hang in there, man. You could do it. You can do it. And lo and behold, uh, you know, he graduates from high school. Uh, eventually, he lands a job uh, at Hanna-Barbera doing cow and chicken. He's the he's like the producer of the show. This is a kid I knew in high school. And now he's the show's producer. And guess what? Now I'm working for him. <laughs> Which I think is really cool, because I can't tell you how many young boys and girls that I ended up working for. And to me, they're, they're like my children. I am so proud of them and what they accomplished. And the fact that people say, oh, don't you feel bad that, you know, this kid, you know, goes up and they make a big success and you have to work for them. And I said, no, that makes me proud. These young men and women are like my kids. And when they are successful, I feel like I've been successful too. So no, I, I, uh, I always welcome the opportunity to work for the kids and, and because I don't mind being the old man and I'm happy that I was able to help them in some way to build their career. And again, like I said, I'm very proud of them. I think that's something lost, not just in animation, but just in the workforce in general, because yeah. there's been plenty of people that I've worked for that have been way young and I'm not that old. I'm only 30. Yeah, I'm 32. So I'll be 33 in August. And <laughs> I've worked for people that were yep. 19 and 20, you know, and it's just like, as long as they treat me, you know, like a human being, they talk to me like I'm a person, you mm -hmm. know, they don't talk to I'm, I'm I'll work my ass off for you, man. So like age is nothing because there's people you brought up Hanna-Barbera and I promise the fans we will get to Disney, but you brought up Hanna-Barbera and right. uh, there's a little guy and he's not so little anymore because he's pr probably the biggest showrunner that came out of uh came out of Hanna-Barbera that's I'm biased because Gendy Tartakovsky is my favorite animator of all time uh, yeah. but yeah. Gendy right everybody that I've had on I haven't had Gendy on yet hopefully one day yeah but uh everybody that I've had on has said the same thing he was like that man was so far ahead of his time he was yeah. like what he was doing at 19 20 and 21 you had <laughs> animators that were 30 and 40 and 50 years old that weren't on the same level at him yeah, and 30 and 40 and 50 years old. And this man's 19, 20 years old. So yeah. 
age is age is just a construct. It's like time. We all agree that it's fucking eight thirty right now or eight forty five, yeah. whatever it is. We've <laughs> yeah. all just decided that it's the same thing with age. So yeah. I, I I like that. And Robert Alvarez was another guy that came on here and said that I had no problem working because it was like you're training your replacement, right? Mm -hmm. You want these kids that are coming in to have all of this knowledge that you have, all this stuff that you had to learn. If you could make it not so much easier for somebody, but you could show them the little sidesteps, you know, the little, yeah. little helpful things that will progress their career. Animation is in a better place when it's in their hands. Oh yeah. You I gotta, commend you for that. You got to pass it on. Like the, the old guys, uh, the old men and women who, who mentored me at Disney, they shared their, their experience with me. They made me that much better at my job because they gave me pointers. They gave me tips. They gave me, sometimes they scolded me. Sometimes they chewed my ass off, you know, for screwing up. Uh, but you need that kind of uh, animation boot camp mm -hmm. to become a better animator, to become a better artist, to become a better filmmaker. You need the, uh, you need the old guys to call you in and just ream you up and down sometimes, because I, there were times I screwed up when I was a kid, I screwed up royally at Disney. And man, these old guys would call me in their office and they would just raise the riot act, man. They would just, uh, they would just, man, you, you, you screwed up and you better, you better do this right. If you're, if you're going to do this job, you better learn how to do it and do it right. And I tell you, there were days I went home from Disney and I, I mean this sincerely, I went home with tears in my eyes because I'd got my butt chewed out by some of these top Disney guys, but who better to chew you out? than a guy who's animated on Snow White, on Bambi, on Dumbo, on Pinocchio. These people were good at what they did. And so when they chewed you out, you knew you were getting it from the best. <laughs> so yeah. you, you, were, you, were, you were thankful for it, you know. And of course, it made you that much better. So we talked a little bit earlier. And like I told you, I was in the Navy for a little bit. And I still think about this ass chewing I got one time. Yeah. So I can imagine the, the many ass chewings you might have gotten at the Disney studios. Is there one or two that might stick out or you think about maybe once or twice a year type of thing? Anything? Yeah. Yeah. One of the nine old men, uh, one of the most benign of the nine old men was an old guy named Frank Thomas. Oh, one, one hell of an animator. Frank was Frank was darn good. I can't tell you how good he was. But Frank had this attitude he, he was like this benign old man. He, he's kind of chill, kind of like this. He's kind of slow. And he would call me and he said, Floyd, would you, would you step into my office? Uh, I just want to talk about that last scene. You did, uh, show you some mistakes. You know, man. And so you think, oh, what's this guy going to do? He says, he's a harmless old man. <laughs> like I, I go into Frank's office and for the next hour and a half, Ooh. I get my ass chewed off, you know, I get, I get dressed up and down because I, I had taken a scene of his and I had screwed it up, man. I had screwed it up and he let me know how much I had screwed up his scene and man, oh man, you, you better believe that I never did that again. And, and, and that's, what's great when you get uh, really good people who, who, who uh, demand that you not only be good, that, but you be better than good, that you do your best work. You don't just try to slide by. You don't try to just do it good enough. At Disney, you had to be good. You had to be excellent, better than good. And that's what I loved about the old timers. Uh, they didn't settle for less. 
uh, the old man, Walt Disney, didn't settle for less. And his, his team, his staff didn't settle for less. They wanted you to be good. And if you weren't good enough, you better get your ass out because you didn't belong there. Because Disney was the A-team. You know, they were the premier animation studio. You were there because you were among the best. And if you weren't the best, believe you me, you got booted out of there. And you deserve to be booted out, you know, <laughs> so because the standards were high. And again, I, I don't mind high standards. I think one of the great things about Walt Disney was he demanded excellence. He demanded quality. And I'm cool with that. I worked for another crazy man who also had very high standards. And his name was Steve Jobs. Ooh. And Steve Jobs uh, ran Apple. Yeah. And he ran Pixar for a time. And Steve Jobs didn't, uh, he didn't take to a half-assed job. You did the job your best or you, or you didn't do it at all. And if you screwed up, Steve would be there in your face to tell you you screwed up and how badly you screwed up. You got your ass chewed out by Steve Jobs. You didn't forget it. And I think that's what's so great about working for guys like Walt Disney, for Steve Jobs, is because they were serious. When they said they wanted quality, they meant it. When they wanted excellence, they meant it. When they wanted their work to be better than anybody else's, they meant it. And if you weren't on board with that, you better get the hell out. Because this was, this was the A team. Yeah. And they only wanted A players. You, if you remember the B team and the C team, that's okay. Go go work someplace else. But if you're going to be a member of the A team, then then you better darn well be good at what you do. Not not just good. You better be the best at what you do. <laughs> do, you, do you think that's? I, I hate asking these type of questions because it always seems like I'm shitting on today's animation which i'm absolutely not i'm a fan of so much out there now yeah. um, do you feel like that's missing from today's animation in your opinion obviously you can't speak for everybody but do, for you specifically do you think that kind of tenacity or that kind of i don't even want to say skill because it's not the word i'm looking for but do you think that kind of mentality i guess is a better word is missing from today's animators i think that what's missing from today's animation and i know i be criticized for saying this, but to me, it's obvious. It's leadership. Mm -hmm. Leadership. I mean, really, that's what builds a studio. That's what makes a studio is great leaders. And I've had the opportunity to work for a lot of great leaders. Yes, sir. You know, and, and there's not that many of them, really. You know, people say, oh, yeah, we got lots of leaders, lots of leaders. Yeah, we got lots of uh, people who are chosen to lead. But I'll tell you, not all of them are leaders. Yeah, some might think they are, but chances are they're not. <laughs> I'll tell you, if you want to, if you want to know, you know, you can see it on the screen. Go watch the movie. Go watch it. Tell me who's good and who's not good. I mean, to me, the leaders. You see the films of Walt Disney, the, the the films that the Disney Studio made when Walt was still around. You knew who was who was guiding that studio. Yeah, we went through a period where we had another. Uh, Great leader, John Lasseter. Guy was an awesome dude. And uh, people might have their issues with John. Some people didn't like him. Some people thought he was this or that. It's a great leader. Like it or not, he was a great leader. Steve Jobs, people called him an asshole. In many ways, he was an asshole. Yeah. He, was, he was a great leader. No doubt about it. He's a great leader. So 
I find what's missing today and in, in so many uh, uh, of the companies that are around is, is great leadership. And that's because great leaders are hard to find. Mm-hmm. You, know, you just can't go on to, hey, I, I'm looking for the next great leader. You know, bring him, bring him in, bring her in. No, no, they're hard to find. They are rare and rare indeed. So, you know, that's that's what I find uh, lacking in today's, uh, I think today's business, I think it's, it's an incredibly robust business. There's never been so much animation being done. I, I've never seen so much work being done uh, as I see uh, happening today. And that's a good thing because that's giving more men and women an opportunity to get out there and create. So that's great. And I've seen a lot of great product. I've seen a lot of uh, great films. I'm a member of the Motion Picture Academy. So I've been watching animated short films and animated feature films. And I, I love the uh, the diversity that we have in the product that's being made today. And, and that's cool. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we still have a lot to learn. Uh, I still look back on the films that uh, I tend to watch over and over again. They tend to be the classics. You know, they tend to be those early films, uh, the, the the Disney classic films. And also, I love the, the Pixar classic films, you know, Toy Story, you know, Monsters, Inc. You know, OK, I'm choosing films that I worked on. <laughs> That's why they were so good. No, but but I, I think what happens, what happens with a company when when they're not resting on their laurels, when they're busting their butt doing the best work, uh, you know, at that beginning stage when they're out there trying to prove themselves, that's when they do their best work. When they've, when they've made it and the, the money's coming in and they're getting awards and accolades and you know everything's going great, that's when you tend to kind of like lean back and relax a little bit. And you can't do that because you got to stay on your game. You got to stay hungry. Yeah. You, gotta, you gotta act like you, know, you haven't done any, anything great. Because you're not going to make that next great movie if you feel like you've already done it all. You know, you, you got to be hungry. You know, you got to you got to work like it's uh, like at your first film and it might be your last. Uh, I think that's when I've done my best work is when I've been up against the gun. When when I'm, I'm you know, staring failure in the face and, and uh, it kind of scares the hell out of you. But that's when you do your best work. 100 percent. I don't know who said it. it I know. It was one of my guys when I was still in the military, but uh, he says pressure does two things, yeah. uh, Julian. Uh, and he was like, it either busts pipes or it makes diamonds. He's like, what yeah. are you going to be, a busted pipe or a diamond? I was like, <laughs> well, shit, man, with this kind of pressure right now, I might be a busted pipe, but I'm going to see what yeah. I can do. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, you, you hit on something a second ago and you said classics. And what better segue to get into my favorite movie of all time, Floyd, than the yeah. classic Jungle Book? How did you get on to this movie? Was it just something that you guys rotated from, from your previous movie, or did you seek this one out in particular? The Jungle Book, like, like so many things in my career, was just sort of an accident, mm-hmm. really, basically a mistake. Uh, when I heard that uh, Walt Disney wanted to do the Jungle Book, uh, this was back in 1964, 65, uh, I, I purposely uh, decided to avoid the film. Not that I had anything against the Jungle Book. I just didn't. I wanted to take a break from feature films and I wanted to do other things. I was working for a very talented guy uh, at the studio, a guy named Ward Kimball, who was one of my heroes. 
and I was working for Ward and I really loved Ward as an animator. I thought he was a great animator and I, I, I really wanted to be like him. So I was busy uh, downstairs in animation working with Ward Kimball. And, and as I did, you know, throughout my career, I was always drawing gags about the, uh, about the other artists, about my colleagues, about my friends and about Walt Disney in particular. Well, what had happened was in the old days, this was never a problem because this is just one sketch and few people saw it. But in the 1960s, we had this new device called the Xerox machine. <laughs> that meant one gag could be taken, duplicated again and again and again. And so my cartoon gags ended up all over the Walt Disney Studio <laughs> because of Xerox. You, know, you never know what's going to change your life. So because my drawings were all over the studio, guess who saw them? I'm assuming the, Walt. <laughs> the old yeah, man. <laughs> the old man himself. And he said, who's doing all these funny gags? And they said, oh, it's that kid downstairs in animation. And the Floyd, you know, Floyd Norman. And Walt said, uh, I want that kid, you know, up in the, in the story department. Now, keep in mind, getting into story was a big deal. There were a lot of friends of mine and colleagues who wanted to be in Disney's story department. And they tried and they submitted scripts and ideas and gags and eh, eh, trying to get in. Never got in. Here I was purposely avoiding the job. <laughs> and guess why I, and guess, and the reason was simply because Walt Disney came to my boss and he says, uh, I want that kid upstairs in the, in the story department on the Jungle Book next week. And so that was back in the days when, you know, Walt ran everything and nobody, nobody even asked how or why or what, you know, it's just like, yes, sir. So when Walt came to my boss, was a guy named Andy Ingman, and, and uh, Walt said, I want Floyd upstairs next week in story. Uh, Andy said, yes, sir. Done. Done. You know, you bet. So uh, next Monday, I found my myself upstairs in 2C, second floor of the animation building, working with Wolf Wolfgang Reitemann, who was the director of the Jungle Book. I was a part of his unit. And day one, and I, I mean this sincerely, I tell people, day one, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. But um, one of the old guys, a guy named Larry Clemens, was a writer. Uh, he brought me uh, an outline and said, I got an idea here for a sequence. You, you and Vance, and Vance was my partner, Vance Gary, a great guy, great story, story artist. He said, you and Vance, take this and, and flesh it out and see if you can make something out of this outline. So we, Vance and I took it and we read it and they said, okay, this is a, the, 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 the tiger comes in and he questions the snake and the snake pretends he doesn't know where the man cub is and, and funny shit happens and, and, and that, that's it, you know. So that's pretty much all we had. Okay, tiger comes in, asks some questions, funny stuff happens, tiger leaves, snake is, you know, you know sequence. So Vance and I took this and we began, okay, what could happen? Okay, the tiger's going to be intimidating. He's going to question the snake. The snake's going to act like, I don't know. I haven't seen the kid. No, I don't know what you're talking about. No, no. The tiger said, oh, if you see him, you know, you better, you better, you know, let me know. I'm going to kick your butt if you, you know. So we took this thing and, and, and we storyboarded it. We showed it to Walt Disney. And Walt said, yeah, it's pretty cool, but uh, it needs something. It's something's missing. Something's missing. It needs a song. And he says, I'll get the Sherman Brothers to write a song for you. So cool. Okay, great. I'm going to write a song. So uh, about a week later, I go over to stage A. 
with a hero of mine, the voice actor, Sterling Holloway. Sterling Holloway, who was the voice of Ka the Snake, is recording the song that Robert and Richard Sherman wrote for us, the song called Trust in Me. Song with a lot of siblings, you know, you know, you know, the snake trusted me. Anyway, uh, Sterling, which was a real thrill because the first time I'd heard Sterling Holloway's voice was when I was a child growing up in Santa Barbara when my mommy took me to see Dumbo. And Sterling Holloway was the voice of the, of the stork bringing the little babies to the circus animals. And I never forgot that guy. I never forgot that voice. But I was a little, a little child. Now, many years later, here I am on stage A at the Walt Disney Studios with Sterling Holloway, the same guy. And now he's recording a song for my sequence. Who could have guessed? Who could have guessed that this little kid growing up in Santa Barbara, watching Dumbo, would someday be with the same actor on a recording stage at the Walt Disney Studio, and now Sterling is recording for me. Who could have, who could have guessed that? I couldn't have. But this was the amazing things that happened in your career, the unexpected and amazing things that makes you know, one's life so full and rich. And uh, that was one of the special moments in my career. Now, obviously, this is, <clears throat> excuse me, this is going back some time. But do you think you slept that night? Me? Yeah. Do you think you slept that night seeing him do your sequence for his song? You know, I, I you know, it's really funny because th these things happen so often. These are what I call these little minor miracles. You kind of get used to them. Mm -hmm. And 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 it, you, you don't, you don't you think about it and you, you, you smile and you're like, Oh, that was so cool. But you don't, you don't lose any sleep. I didn't, you know, I, I, my only thought was, boy, I hope the old man likes it. You know, I, <laughs> I, hope, I hope Walt Disney likes it. And thankfully he did. And, and uh, that's what was so cool. It's like being under a lot of pressure, mm -hmm. but not because even though I was under pressure on the jungle book, it was still mainly fun. I mean, I had a ball doing it. I don't recall any angst, any, any anxiety, any freaking out, any pain, any like, oh, my God, what will I do? What will I do? No, I didn't have any of that. It was just a ball. Because even though Walt Disney could be a very you know, tough taskmaster, even though he could be very tough, and if he didn't like something, boy, he let you know he didn't like it. But you never had to worry about, you know, getting your butt chewed, you know, chewed off by Walt, because if he didn't like it, there was a reason he didn't like it. Mm. And it wasn't because of you. It wasn't personal. It's just that something wasn't working. And if, if something wasn't working, you had to fix it. We had to find out what the problem was and fix it and make it that much better. So I look back uh, on working for guys like Walt Disney and realizing, you know, they were actually great people to work for. They were tough. No, no doubt about that. They were, they, you know, they weren't easy. They were tough, but they weren't awful people. Yeah. And I'm grateful that I, I can look back over the years at, at the various bosses I've had. And I've had very few assholes, really, really. Most of my bosses have been just really great men and women. Mm -hmm. and, and it was a joy to work with them.
And uh, I, I'm, I'm thankful that I've had such a, a cool career. A lot of people have sour grapes and they, and they don't like this person or they don't like that person. Oh, that's so-and-so. He was awful or she was awful, whatever. And they, they grumble and they gripe and they, you know, but I don't have that. Uh, most of the people I work with and worked for were really cool. They might've been tough. Sometimes they didn't like my stuff. I had one director that I couldn't please. She just didn't like anything I did. Nothing wrong with that. It was her movie. It wasn't, wasn't my movie. It was her movie. And if the stuff I was doing wasn't working, then, you know, adios muchacho. No hard feelings. Because we're all professionals here. If what I was doing wasn't, you know, you know, meeting her satisfaction, wasn't working, it wasn't the movie she wanted to make, then it's time for me to move on. You know, and and not to and with no recriminations, with no bitching and griping and complaining. Oh, this person, you know, uh, they, you know, no, no. It's just like we're all professionals here. We're here to do our best work, and and if 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 our work doesn't cut it, then it's best to move on. You know, and and uh, when you maintain an attitude like that, and I I call it being a professional. You know, it's a professional attitude, and I tell that to my students. You know, don't, don't take this stuff personal. You know, this, this is not personal. Animation, is as goofy as it is, it's a goofy business, but it's still a business. Mm-hmm. It's still a profession. And you've got to be a professional. So, you know, some days they might think you, you're a genius. Some days they might think your work sucks. <laughs> Maybe it does. But you got to deal with it, you know. And, and, you know, and don't take it personal because it's not. This is a job, and we do a job because we, we make movies, and those movies go out there, and if people like them, they pay their money, and, you know, studios get rich, and we go on and we make another movie. <laughs> so, but we do this not because we want to become famous, not because we want to get rich, and maybe some people do, but you do it because you love it. Yeah. The, reason, the reason I'm in this business it's not because I didn't, oh boy, if I get an animation, I'll be making the big bucks. No, no. I got an animation because I wanted to make cartoons. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the money. I, I didn't get an animation. But, oh man, I'll be, I'll be making the big bucks. No, I got an animation because I wanted to make cartoons. I wanted to make people laugh. And believe you me, when, when you go into a movie theater, and I've done this, I will be walking past a movie theater that, that's showing one of my movies, uh, a film that I worked on. And I've seen the film a dozen times. I don't, I don't need to see it again, but I'll, I'll buy a ticket. I'll buy a ticket and I'll go into the theater and I'll sit in the back and I'll listen to the audience laugh their heads off mm-hmm. at my jokes, at my gags. Some little thing I did years ago, it's up on that screen and the audience is just cracking up, having a hell of a time. And I'm sitting in that theater realizing that's my stuff up there in the screen. That's my gag. I'm making people laugh. I'm giving people a good time. Thanks again for checking out the What's In My Head podcast. If you're digging what you're hearing, leave us a five-star rating. That will help other fans of animation and pop culture find the show. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button, tell a friend, and I'll see you guys and gals next week. Good night.